2: Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today I have two very special guests, my dear friends Rosaria Butterfield and Christopher Yuan. And we had a very long discussion, so I'm going to break up this, uh, this talk into three different parts. So part one, we're going to look at uh, Rosaria Butterfield's recent article that she wrote about uh, she's repenting of using transgender pronouns in the past. And then we talk about the seven, and she talks about this in her article, the seven reasons why it's sinful to use those pronouns. It's a fascinating discussion, and this article is really important. Um, and then in part two, we're going to look at an article written by someone in Revoice. And we're going to Revoice, if you don't know what that is, uh, we'll get into that. You'll you'll find out about that. But uh, we're going to get into why the language... Of this article is unbiblical and then we're going to look at the biblical language and um, this is all about kind of marrying lgbtq ideology to christianity and how how that's very very dangerous and then in part three we're going to look at the seven characteristics of false teachers so each of these parts is is they're really really fascinating i think they're gonna really edify you and help they edified me uh and so and if you don't know christopher and rosaria christopher yuan has written several books including his most recent book holy sexuality in the gospel sex desire and relationship shaped by god's grand story he's just done a video series called the holy sexuality project a first-of-its-kind video series to help parents and grandparents to empower their teens to understand, embrace, and celebrate biblical sexuality. That's coming out soon, I think within like a month or so, but you can go to his website, ChristopherYuan.com, to find out more. And then Rosaria has just written a new book that's coming out in September, which I've read. It's amazing. It's called The Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age. The forward is by Kevin DeYoung, and it is such a, an important book right now in the current culture, in, in the church, and pastors, everyone needs to read this book. It's so good, and it's, a, it's not a long book. It's short, and so I urge everyone to, to, you can pre-order it now, Five Lies of Our Anti-Christian Age, but first, a word from our sponsor. Without further ado, welcome Christopher and Rosaria. Thank hey, Beckett. you. So glad to have you guys back on the show, and we have a lot to cover today. I don't even know where to begin, but I guess we'll begin with Rosaria. You recently on in, on April third, you wrote a letter uh, repenting of using transgender pronouns and. It's such a powerful letter. Can we start with that? First of all, why, why now and what prompted you to, to write this letter?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's actually a blog piece for the, uh, the Ref 21 journal, which is an online journal. And, you know, it's a small little, you know, it's, it's, we're not, we're not, we're small potatoes here in the reformed and Presbyterian world. Um, uh, and, uh, it's called Why I No Longer Use Transgender Pronouns and Why You Shouldn't Either. And you all have read um Five Lies, so uh, the my new book that's coming out. And you know Which that
2: everyone needs to get. Yeah. And by <laughs> the way, when is the book is coming out in September?
0: A day after mom's birthday. Yes. A day after Angela Yuan's birthday. It's coming out uh September twelfth.
2: It's called by the way, it's called Five Lies of, of an Anti-Christian Age, and it is absolutely brilliant and everyone needs to read this book and and we're gonna have uh rosaria god lord willing back on the show to talk about that book specifically but so go ahead um, well you
0: know it's part of like it's it's not in the book but there was this you know there's a section in the beginning of the book where i talk about you know what are the three reasons that the church is divided And what are the five lies that are now the consequence of a divided church that the broad evangelical church seems to believe wholesale and that I believed even as a, you know, I mean, I believed it not only as an unbeliever, I certainly believed it as an unbeliever, these lies, but I also believed them as a believer and why. And so this use of transgender pronouns was one of those. And Christopher, you know, because you and I have been kicking these stuff, you know, you know, and Beckett as well, we've been, you know, we process these things over, over time. And uh, using transgender pronouns had been, I mean, I think certainly for me, maybe for you guys also, I don't know, but just part of my, my life as a gay rights activist and, you know, and quote unquote out and proud lesbian and all of that. And so, um, and, and then it, it, it just kind of, you know, it just kind of snuck into my, my, my Christian life and it became very, very clear at a certain point that it was not just a matter of terminology. It wasn't just like a, you know, a choice that maybe wasn't a great choice, but wasn't a sin. But actually my use of transgendered pronouns was a sin. And worse of all, um, there are many, many uh, achens in the camp, as it were, of evangelicalism. And perhaps this is why God is not blessing us, because God is not blessing us we are it's not that judgment is coming judgment is here we have arrived here it is and um and so repentance is necessary for your soul for sure but repentance is also necessary for god to bless the work of your hands and so um you know after the nashville shooting um the shooting at covenant uh presbyterian church uh, and um uh, and after uh you know our our, you know, infamous president, uh, you know, spoke out on the uh, what is it called the National Day of Trans Visibility, and um, his. I'm going to look for it. I thought I had it here on my desk somewhere, but his words were just. They were so profoundly stupid and dangerous that I felt like I needed to really kind of nail this one, and not only repent. Um, of my sin, but call out others, um, call out others. And, and maybe we're going to get to this today. I mean, I know the last time uh, we all talked about the doctrine of repentance, one of the, one of the facets of, of true repentance, it's, it's, it's almost, um, I mean, it's, it's almost the anti-shibboleth of the evangelical church. Um, so it's, um, it's this idea that, not only are you to repent of your sins and call out your sins, but true repentance calls out the sins of others. Mm-hmm. And that is so, and it's almost anathema in the, um, in the evangelical church. Right. And certainly anathema, but even things like I used to say things like, well, you know, hate your, you know, hate your own sin, you know, not anybody else's, but, um, but it is actually one of the, uh, you know, one of the, the standards of true repentance is you, um, you must not tolerate uh, the sin of not only yourself, but others. And the way that uh, Watson puts it is um, where there is a real hatred of sin, we not only oppose sin in ourselves, but in others too. And that's on page 47. And, you know, you, you can imagine that you can't possibly even have church discipline without that idea. I mean, of course it's logical, but it's just, it, it's, it's almost a shibboleth and broad evangelicalism like, Hey, you know, don't touch other, you know, don't talk to other people. Um, and so I, 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 uh, I did. I just felt like I needed to to write this article. So I wrote the article, and you know, obviously, ref 21 has a you know a, a page or you know a word count, and I was kind of close to the word count. My husband Kent looked at it, and he said, "I don't know, that's not enough. You need to you need to go deeper. You need to tell people why it's a sin. I mean, like just saying it's a sin, you know. I mean, you need, to, and it's part of our confession that we are to repent of our particular sins, particularly. And, and- so. <clears throat> That's
2: what I did. Yeah, and before we get to the reasons why, we'll be right back after this short break. Christopher, what I mean, what did you think about pronoun hospitality over the last kind of 5 years? What were your thoughts on it? Did you think it was, you know, missional to 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 use someone's preferred pronouns or transgender pronouns? What how did you feel about that and how did you, did you feel about Rosario's usage in her books and her talks? That yeah, was, um, I mean, I, I,
1: I think, you know, if, uh, I, this is sort of revealing um, all of our ages, uh, but um, I, I think I'm the youngest of, of us three. Uh, but We're old. Yes. Yeah. And, but I think uh, Rosario and I um, came to faith around the same time. And then Beckett, I think you were, you were a little later, but definitely we weren't in that world of late. Um, so for me, 20 years ago, transgenderism and gender was not really, um, a, a, a thing in culture. Uh, mm-hmm. it was probably in academia where Rosario was, where I was maybe the antithesis of academia. <laughs> and, um, so what I knew very well were the drag queens. And, and as we know, I mean, and maybe not, not everyone knows this, you know, they drag queens aren't necessarily the exact same thing or the same concept as people who would identify as transgender. Right. Um, There may be some overlap, of course, but there's still different categories. Uh, When I, I didn't really know people who identified as transgender back then. I mean, I knew about like, uh, what is that movie? Garp. Was that the movie with uh, um, Robin Williams? The world according to Garp. Yeah. Yes. World according to Garp. I mean, that was so long ago. Uh, But it's just so funny seeing how even that undercurrent of feminism and and how this transgender person lived among in this house that was right uh, with women who were abused and stuff. Um, Old, old, old movie. But I, I didn't know of anyone who identified as transgender. So these concepts weren't really something that I was dealing with as an unconverted person pronouns. But then coming to faith, it was we were just wrestling with things. Um, on a very current b- current basis, and definitely, and I think what what Rosaria addressed, uh, she pointed out in the article, was this mindset of let's just meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. And I mean, of course, <clears throat> there's a sense we do meet people, but are we also meeting their misinformation? Or their or the, let's just call it what it is? Are we also meeting their lies as it is? Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you know we're i I will be honest and and yes, there was a time where I also was promoting that and put on record i repent um and and it's it's it was it it is wrong, it was wrong, and will always be incorrect because what it it's not only trying to say we meet where people are at, but what's even behind that? I always like to get behind like what are people's presuppositions. Um, and behind that presupposition is this mis- this concept, which also relates to probably all the uh, many of the other issues that we're going to talk about today. Just even side B, why are people using these categories? It comes down to this. Well, we want to uh, evangelize people. It's just, it, and that really distorts what evangelism is, um, that as if we evangelize people with false uh ideas with untruths with lies. Uh so I it's think it's like a bait and switch. That's it's exactly like a, a what I was going to say. It's a baited switch. So so we're trying to draw people from the transgender community using their false ideas of these false pronouns. And then there will come a day and say and that we'll have to tell that well actually what I really mean is that's wrong. That's a baited switch. Um, so it's I, I think the 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 article was very brave and courageous and 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 correct and and calling people to clarity.
2: By the way, which is uh, this is the bait and switches exactly which we we may or may not get into, but if you want, Christopher, but later we can get into this. But um, it happened with someone who reached out to you, a, a campus pastor and um there was sort of this bait and switch and it's still going on so we can maybe get into that and how how just damaging that is and how unhealthy that is um but anyway back to back to the letter or the article so rosar you say how is using transgender pronouns sinful you might ask mm-hmm. and the first point you say is using transgender pronouns is a sin against the ninth commandment and encourages people to sin against the 10th commandment. Explain.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll piggyback a little bit off of, off of what um, what Christopher said, too. Um, I think Christopher, and you guys can correct me if, you, if I, I love to speak for all of us, because in some ways, we really are the three musketeers here. But, um, I, you know, Ken Smith, when he met me, he was willing to accept me as a lesbian. But he made it really clear, Rosaria, I... I can accept you where you are. I just don't approve. Okay. I just don't approve. And so, and that's, that's almost a lost paradigm today because what the use of transgender pronouns requires is affirmation. That's the point of it. The point isn't to accept it's to approve. And that's where we can't go there. We can't affirm a lie. And so the ninth commandment is of course, you know, thou shalt not, you know, bear false witness against thy neighbor. And that's exactly what using a false pronoun does. And then what it also does is by affirming a lie, it encourages people to break the 10th commandment. You are not to covet your neighbor's wife and you're not to covet your neighbor's sexual anatomy. Yeah, that's just by implication, but I think it's clear. And we need to remember that, you know, the, the sin of Adam was not a telling of a lie. It was a believing of a lie, right? Eve believed a lie that le- then led to the fall of Adam. And so this is not some kind of a, you know, how many, you know, angels can you dance on the head of a pin question? This is this is basic orthodoxy. And right. so, yeah, my use of, of transgender pronouns. And let's add one other thing. It's not like... Um, I mean, we, the three of us, are public figures. So it's one thing for me to use my old friend Jill's transgender pronouns once in my family room and then stop. It's another to put it in a book that sells over 100,000 copies. Right. So that's what happens with us is whatever sin we commit as Christians, we put it on blast which means we can't just course correct. It's not enough to just say, well, you know, I used to do that, but I don't anymore because this isn't, I mean, if life were simply a matter of course correction, none of us would be here. We weren't saved because Jesus allowed us to course correct, right? We repented and we believed. And so, um, You know, and I will tell you that the response I've gotten to the article, you know, there are, you know, I mean, you guys like it and you're my friends. I'm glad you like it. But there are a lot of people who really don't like it. And it's made me, you know, you know, made me sort of wonder if the evangelical church sort of riffing on Bill Clinton just wants to keep make the, you know, the repentance safe, legal and rare because that's how it seemed
2: (laughs) that was i think that was hillary's safe legal oh was
0: it okay sorry whatever
2: uh those are the good old days yeah
0: no we're not supposed to keep repentance safe legal and rare and it doesn't matter how important you are
2: christopher any thoughts on that on that first point about the ninth commandment and, and the tenth commandment
1: no that was good i mean i think uh it's 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 important it to nowadays people that aren't really even familiar with the knife or even all 10. Um, But (laughs) we should put them back in schools, baby. Uh, (laughs) I wonder if that would help. Yeah. The the importance of that, but especially. um, Yeah. I mean, uh, we're, we're just simply called not to lie. And um, if we're continuing to, put forth these lies for the sake of evangelism. Again, I mean, it's coming back to just to be nice. Um, And, but you know, it's, it's never a good thing to hope to win someone to Christ by untruths. Um, That's just bad evangelism. Um, And I wouldn't even call that evangelism, Um, but also just how powerful it is um, just to connect the 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 presupposition I'm coming back to that behind transgenderism, which is coveting, uh, desiring something that you don't have, um, that's that's a pretty serious sin that that is that is talked about in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, so to to put it clearly in those terms of what this is, I want that, that, that's what it really comes down to. I want something. Yeah. And, um, and I want to, and I'm going to do almost anything to get that so that I can be happy. Um, right. And, and so I think there's, it's, it's, it's good. That's actually loving to be able to call people to what is God's standard of, of holiness and perfection. And what we're called to is to repentance of those
2: And by the way, I mean, I just, you know, I just talked about this the other day on on, uh, uh, in an interview, but I always say this, you know, when it's talking about the bait and switch thing, when when those young people at the coffee shop were evangelizing me, they didn't fudge anything. They just told me straight out homosexual behavior. We believe homosexual behavior is a sin in our church. I mean, of course, this was 2009, so (laughs) it was easier to say that then. Uh, as christians but um but i i just i am so grateful that they didn't try to dodge the question and try to kind of manipulate me into their church and then for me to find out months later that you know it's just like that would have been so awful i'm so thankful that they were honest so rosario your second point is using transgender pronouns as a sin against the creation ordinance
0: yeah what do you mean yeah. by that well, the creation ordinance found in Genesis 1, 27, 28, and maybe the, the next two sort of connect together. I say using transgender pronouns is a sin against image bearing. So image bearing and the creation ordinance are going to go together here. That um, God made you and me um, and made all of humanity binary, not non-binary, right. but right. binary, male or female in the image of God for creational purposes. And so um, what we need to see in that is that our identity, who we actually are, ontologically speaking, is a male or a female image bearer of a holy God. And that is ontological. So that will be, that was true before we were created. It is true here on earth. It will be true in eternity, Mm -hmm. which in some ways is the best news for anyone who has gone uh, through any kind of uh, sex change operation has been under either the indoctrination of political ideology, which is more our young people today, or under a false application for what to do with a mental illness. You don't fix a mental illness by changing the body. That doesn't, that's the wrong part, Um so, people who have gone through this, who've been deceived by the medical uh, establishment, or have been deceived by the government schools, or anything else where we're getting this plug-in, um, if they're Christian, the very good news—they may understand the gospel better than the rest of us, because God can't be mocked. In the New Jerusalem, they will be the man that they were meant to be, and the woman that they were meant to be. They will be men and women of God, and so—and um, they are that attached to net right now if they're in in Christ. So, um, um, broad evangelicalism has decided that the Old Testament, uh, is dispensable. Um, they, they don't understand the, the Bible as a unified biblical revelation. They don't, they don't believe or they don't know or they don't know what to do with this idea that the seeds of the gospel are in the garden. And you can't, you can't fudge that. You can't dodge that. And so when, um, you know, when you hear, you know, Preston Sprinkle or, you know, other others who teach false things say something like, "Well, you know, transgendered people are made in the image of God." Um, I mean, when you hear that's what President Biden said on his, you know, National Day of Transgender Visibility, what that really is confusing is what image bearing means. Um, you bear bear I bear the image of God by growing in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness of God. Um, my knowledge, righteousness, and holiness comes from God. And I bear God's image as I grow to be more like God. Homosexuality, transgenderism, that comes from the world, the flesh, and the devil. So my image bearing is not located, my image bearing of God is not located in the the world, the flesh, and the devil. These are category mistakes. And so by... By, by saying something like, oh, you can be a gay Christian and you can be a trans Christian or as, you know, Sprinkle puts it, a trans asterisk Christian. My goodness gracious. Um, by doing all of that, you are, in fact, violating the creation ordinance and falsifying what it means to be an image bearer of a holy God. Now, in my denomination, when somebody, uh, when somebody is under church discipline you don't get these wacky things that you hear today, like, "Well, so and so used an overbearing, uh, you know, a structure of government." Like, what is that? And it, what you would hear is, in its public, you would hear the pastor say, "You know, this this person has violated the first commandment, and the second You know, it would be it would be the moral law of God that would be the measure, the measuring stick for what you've done that is in violation, not these kind of makeup things. And so. Um, So to encourage someone who is already a lost person, a deceived person to encourage someone to be even further um, antagonistic to the creation ordinance and to what it means to be an image bearer of a holy God is a sin. And so that's why I wrote those.
2: And you mentioned um, in in your, your article, you mentioned Laura Perry Smaltz. She's a Christian author and counselor, And talk about her perspective on this because that it's so powerful. And this is such a, and this is what I was talking about too. The baiting, the bait and switch thing. Talk about her perspective on this.
0: Yeah. Laura is an amazing Christian woman and I've known Laura for years. Um, and we've had these conversations for years. So we have been friends behind the scenes for a long time. Um, And Laura lived as Luke for, I think, a decade or more and um, would be unrecognizable as a woman if you saw a picture um, of her back then. And um, she was raised in a conservative Christian family and her conservative Christian family and the whole church prayed for her faithfully um, and refused to call her by a makeup name or use pronouns that were inaccurate. And when the Lord changed Laura's heart and she came to a a clear knowledge of who God is and who she is, she returned to her parents and the church of her youth. And and she said, these are the people who didn't lie to me. Why would I go back to the liars? I don't, I, I don't need any more liars. And so I think that that is a very powerful testimony of forbearance and prayer, which is something that we all know about, right? How many you know people were praying for us, and um, you know we'll, we'll meet them all in heaven. But it's nice to meet them now too, um, and and also the um, just the salience of a true testimony, um, a mother who is willing to sacrifice a relationship with her daughter, if it can't be on the grounds of truth.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. And, uh, you know, and, and obviously in 2009, and before this ideology wasn't as dominant and prominent in our well, culture, well, but my, I, I, my parents, you know, my family members, my parents, they never changed their convictions and, If my parents had, I would have, I would have not respected my parents had they, you know, when I came out as gay or whatever, not that it's the same, it was a different time, but I would, if they had just said, oh, uh, we just, we now are affirming of homosexual behavior. I would, I, I wouldn't have respected them.
0: Right. And at some point we should talk about what, what changed. Because I think people might be like, well, you know, what, what changed? Like what, why, you know, I hear my broad evangelical friends saying, Oh, it's all the same. Things have always been like this, you know, you know, God's the same today, tomorrow, and always, and likewise, everything's the same. And, you know, that's just, just patently false. And Christians are called to know where your feet are planted and you're called to live life with your eyes open. And 2009, it feels like a lifetime, a ago. lifetime
2: ago. I know, yeah, yeah.
0: because the Obergefell decision of 2015, which legalized gay marriage, also also uh, included a dignitary harm clause, where the Fourteenth Amendment was used to suggest that harm no longer means denying people a material good, like when we were all. We, we know we, we were all in gay culture. We would have said, "Look, if I want to buy a pizza and you don't sell me a pizza, that's harm." You know, I want my pizza. Right. But after a burgophile, harm is denying people's dignity, and so that and that's where we're no longer talking about vocabulary. We're talking about ideology because now it has the the, the you know the law behind it. People lose their jobs because they don't use you know, preferred pronouns and, and these kinds of things. Well, how did that happen? Well, it happened because really a new concept of personhood was established as a legal truth. And Christians are in the um, uncomfortable place of no longer having a comfortable Christianity. We need to defy Uh, in many ways, what our uh, government calls to be a true notion of personhood. The true notion of personhood that both the Bergefell and then Bostock in 2020, of course, everybody was all focused on masks and COVID and vaccines and Black Lives Matter. So that one kind of slipped right through. You might not have noticed it, but that's the one that established um, uh, LGBTQ as part of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Mm -hmm. And so... As special children.
1: class to people who identify as gender uh, yep as gay lesbian yep or transgender
0: so the new idea is by denying by failing to affirm someone's identity you know you might as well be breaking their legs and that's just first class stupid and Christians don't need to buy it
2: yeah and and not to mention i mean aside from a burger in in the 2020 decision or what, what was it what was it called bostock. Bostock. bostock um you know the the ramping up of uh the kind of these the portrayal of of trans and, and gays and films and tv and movies was and in social media was so it's so ramped up now that right. I mean it's absolutely everywhere. You can't right. avoid it. Right. It's, it's in every um, it's in everything. And, right. and so that of course, you know, and I always say this, I always say, you know, storytelling is is the most powerful form of persuasion. And when you have these TV shows and movies that young people are watching that are celebrating homosexual behavior, celebrating transgenderism. Um it's very difficult, you know. It's very difficult to to actually stand against that and say, "No, actually, I, I'm going to I'm going to stand in my convictions on this." I can. It's. I mean, I was. I mentioned this on a show, an episode one time. I was on a plane and I watched the movie Judy, the Judy Garland movie with Renee Zellweger. And there was a scene in that movie where she is she meets. Two two fans in London are standing outside the stage door, and they get to meet her, and they they end up going. They she goes back to their apartment, and they hang out all night and talk, and and the two men are gay, and they they talk about how one of them was imprisoned for being gay, and um, it was such a an emotional moment in the film that I mean I wasn't tempted to 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 cave on this, but I could see how. Anyone could be so easily persuaded to mm-hmm. to be become gay affirming, of course. And, and there's just so much of that. So I mean, pers- and even
1: I mean, you're talking about movies. What's that movie where uh, the guy in England um, was was uh, had the shock therapy? Alan Turing.
2: Alan Turing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think.
1: I mean, sometimes I just watch my movies because I'm on the plane and I see people like on the side watching movies and I sort to catch that. So I think I somehow uh, that was I was. Uh, I didn't know. But I mean, that that the way that film, as you know, Beckett, I mean, what is film for? It's to really uh, it's to tug at our emotions in very powerful ways, using all of our senses and um, the way they portrayed that movie. I don't know how anyone could watch it and not be moved. I mean, that is a it is a tragic thing. Uh, and, And I what they did was wrong. Absolutely. And I can say that even as a person who, who knows that this person was living, you know, you know, that that is sin, I'm, but that is tragic. But then the, the automatic then thing is, well, we, we, you know, we just then need to embrace everything. And, and kind of going back to Becca, what you said about parents and, and what you were saying, Rosario, as well about parents about Laura and Beckett, your parents. Uh, I mean, I was just thinking that same thing when you're t- talking about that with about Laura, my parents. You know, if if my parents, you know, like like you, Beckett, and not even just saying, oh, if it's okay to be in to be living on that, you know, to be engaging in that sinful behavior, even if my parents were ident- kind of embracing, um, identifying as gay, you know, oh, Christopher, you know, you can be a gay Christian, just don't act on it. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Also completely misunderstanding what sin is as if sin was just an act mm-hmm. um, and, and not what Jesus calls it in Matthew five in the Sermon on the Mount, that it's also the desire. Um, so if, if my parents had, had ever said that I wouldn't be here. Right. Um, I, I right. would still be trying to straddle the fence. Um, as many today in the evangelical world are are doing and advocating and pushing for just a pure straddling of the fence. Um, And and, and it comes down to uh, several things. I mean, you can't separate the sin from the person. People are like, well, we need to be loving. Of course. But we're talking about sinful behavior, not the actual essence of a person. And that Comp- doesn't understand theological anthropology, you know, and I've said in my and book And Jesus was very loving in the Gospels, but he, he always yeah. called people to repentance Yeah, go and sin no more, and so understanding that we're, yes, we're created in the image of God, Genesis one twenty seven, but Genesis 3 came along, and that was the fall um, and so we need to be able to distinguish the two uh, and what Rosario says all the time that I borrow very much, is you know, before she could not hate her sin without hating ourselves the three of us today and this is so important that i think gets to those that are embracing this so-called pronoun hospitality and embracing this sort of so-called trans asterisk christian or gay christian gay celibate christian ideology is that they cannot separate that. They cannot understand how, as Christians and as all human beings, ought to we can and should and must hate our sin without hating ourselves. Uh, and I praise the Lord that now I can do this. I, I couldn't do that twenty twenty five years ago. Wh- whatever that was, I, I that was not that was not at all something that I could even comprehend because all that I was. The core of who I was, not of my not of my experience, which yes, sexuality is a significant aspect of our experience, but I saw it as my essence. Um, and then getting a little bit on on the parents' part is often what I hear all the time from parents and people that are wanting to be gracious in the it, it, you know it, it, because of the cause of evangelism is they say we just need to love. Mm -hmm. Just love. And should we love? Of course. But my issue is the just part. We don't just love because then love can become an end in itself. I think love should be a means to an end and that end must always be Christ. We love people to Christ. We don't just love. And I think this is where parents, they just do everything just to maintain the relationship. Well, relationships don't save. Um, you know, a parent's love for their child is not going to save their child or draw them, you know, to sanctification and put them on that road to progressive sanctification, on uh, the road of progressive sanctification. Um, so it's understanding what is the ultimate goal and it's Christ and is uh, being conformed to the image of Christ, which is perfection. Uh, so I think that's, you know, you know, really important for us to understand.
2: Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the prodigal son. It's like if my, if my family <laughs> had been, you know, gay affirming or had, had become gay affirming or whatever, it's like, where would the celebration be when I came home? You know, it's like there's no celebration. Yeah. There's no padded calf.
0: You'd actually have to go to a different home.
2: I know you, exactly.
0: you have to go to a different home because we are talking fundamentally about a different theology, right? Jay Gresham Machen, at Christianity and Liberalism, hundred years ago, Rome, yeah. and it still is timely. Yeah, no, you would have to go to a different home. You would have to celebrate with people who were not your betrayers, and and you know, Christopher, what you said is absolutely right. Love is actually it's a transitive verb, so. Love has the integrity of the object that it takes. So we have to love, and that's what, you know, you love your neighbor as yourself in Christ. You are called to, and so that's a very important, that, that was just a really important point that you made. It, it's not a standalone, it's transitive. You love in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so the object of your love is going to determine the integrity of your love.
2: And also love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. You uh, know. 13. Amen. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and also using the whole prodigal son parable, essentially if your parents were doing that Beckett, what they would be doing would be, they would be joining you in the pigsty.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, know. If, we're,
1: if we're talking about a new home, I guess the pigsty would be that new home. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly
2: so uh so so the fourth point rosaria on in your article is we may have already done this way using transgender pronouns discourages a believer's progressive sanctification and falsifies the gospel how does it falsify the gospel
0: well um it falsifies the gospel in a very similar way that side b gay christianity falsifies the gospel and you know, we've we've vlogged a number of hours on the Beckett <laughs> Cook show on that. One. Yeah.
2: By the yeah. way, we'll put the link below. No, uh, we'll link but, to that episode below. Uh, but, the side Right.
0: Page. Right. 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 But um, uh, you know the um uh, the larger catechism says this about sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification is a work of God's grace, whereby they whom God hath before the foundation of the world chosen to be holy, are in time through the powerful operations of His Spirit applying the death and resurrection of Christ unto them, renewed in their whole man after the image of God, having the seeds of repentance unto life and all other saving graces put into their hearts. And those graces so stirred up, increased and strengthened as that they more and more die unto sin and rise unto newness of life. Wow. That's no, not what that <laughs> I mean like that, okay that's it that's it so you want to claim you're a christian but deny all power of the gospel to save and change you then you are not yet a christian you are using words without the right you know meaning you are and this is where i think it's really helpful to just be a semiotician here right a sign signifier signified to a christian they have to go together But in a world that is constantly telling you that authenticity is about how you identify, it's no wonder people tell you that, well, but I identify as a Christian. Well, but that doesn't mean you're a Christian. Where's the fruit? Where's the sanctification? Are you denying the blood of Christ? If you are denying the blood of Christ, you are not yet. A Christian, and you know, if that sounds really harsh, you should hear the kind of preaching I sit under.
2: <laughs> I like your preaching. I like your uh, the preaching you're sitting under. Um, yeah, well, Christopher, what do you think about that?
1: Well, I, I mean, and on that, just just the harshness. Um, you know, when when people often talk about the Bible passages that um, that articulate opposition against same-sex sexual behavior um, through reading the Old Testament, through the New Leviticus, uh, Genesis 19, Leviticus 18, Leviticus 20, and then Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Timothy 1. Um, what is that normally called? Clobber passages. And and I and I really want to challenge that whole f- idea um, that, and, and pastors aren't even using this, who claim that, you know, you know gay marriage is not you know uh who still say that you know same sex marriage is not god's will but they still use this uh, frame this 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 these term this term you know clobber passages um it really misunderstands the gospel we're talking about a different gospel i i don't think they understand the gospel i cuz if we're going to call any passage a clobber passage how about stuff out of romans how about For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's a pretty – that's a clobber passage. Yeah, the whole Um, Bible is a clobber passage. (laughs) Right, right. It's like, you guys are sinners. Wake up. Yes, Genesis Um, 3. I mean, the the curse. And and yet we have the good news. It it reads the first half and doesn't understand them, the redemptive power. You know, the wages of sin is death. Yes, but the gift of God is eternal life. I mean, that's so obvious that it's in the same verse. Um, mm-hmm. So people who not to mention that
2: were some of you, but you were washed, you were yes. sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by yes. this and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Exactly.
1: So it's, um, is it a clobber passage? If you only read half of the gospel, you know, half of Scripture, if you don't read the redemptive aspect, um, so it's we, you know, it's. We have to understand what is the true gospel, and it is distorting. Um, it's denying. You know, I think this is one of the points that Rosario makes in in the article that it's it's denying um, the the power of the gospel, um, or, or it, it, it cheapens uh, redemption. Because mm-hmm. what is what is redemption, um, or or even you know what is repentance. Uh, and, and this is kind of, I, I know, you know, Rosario, we've even talked about this. Um, but, you know, I'm sometimes accused that I don't believe in transformation or I don't believe in change. Uh, I just believe in repentance. And, well, that doesn't understand what repentance means. Uh, repentance, the biblical definition of repentance, uh, the Hebrew word for repentance is shuv, turn. It's its an act. It's not like, oh, I feel repentance or repentance, you know, as if repentance is a feeling. Absolutely, absolutely, we've made it unfor- sinfully uh, just to be simply a a feeling. It's not. It's change of behavior, complete change of 180 change of behavior. Um, I one hundred percent believe in repentance, and if you'll call it, you know, transformation and change, etc. Um, I, I don't believe that sin should be treated as a disease, as if something you need to be healed of because the Bible doesn't talk about it in those ways. That's important. Uh, we should be, we we should be healed. But when it cut, when the Bible talks about sin and sin and our flesh, et cetera, it does talk about mortification, putting to mm-hmm. death, which is change, right? I mean, Um, I'm not the same person as I was 20 years ago. Neither were you, Rosario, neither were you, Beckett. Praise the Lord that we all have been changed. So I 100% believe in change. I just believe that sometimes when people talk about the other, you know, uh, categories of what transformation is, it's actually a more limited form where it only uh, kind of narrowly defines change to just kind of the sexual orientation aspect where I believe repentance is about everything, all of it, it's full orb. whole. Sanctification is not just about that one main struggle that you struggle right. with. It's about right. a whole change of right. person and thoughts and actions.
0: And, and Westminster Confession of Faith actually defines repentance. It doesn't, just, it never, you know, it never just says repentance. It says repentance unto life, mm. which would be life in Christ. Although repentance be not to be rested in, as any satisfaction for sin mm. or any cause of the pardon thereof, which is the act of God's free grace in Christ, yet it is of such necessity to all sinners that none may expect pardon without it. Mm. And the way that Watson puts it is you can't see belief, you just can't see it, mm. but you can see repentance because yeah. it has fruit. It has fruit. And, and, and that, you know, again, I, I've heard, and you know, Christopher Beckett, you, you probably know who I'm talking about here, but you know, I've, I've had people, you know, I love in my life tell me things like Rosario stop talking about repentance. I get post-traumatic stress disorder when you say the word repentance. Well, (laughs) that's not a good sign for your soul. Mm -hmm. Okay, It's not a good sign for your soul because you know, repentance gives glory to God. I mean, back Amen. to Achan in the camp, right? When you know, when Joshua is, is you know telling Achan to you know to repent and to 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 dig up that the the booty under his <laughs> tents and to and to come clean. It's interesting, you know. There's no hope offered There's no hope of the gospel offered to him. He's going to be stoned. He. Know, I mean, everybody knows it, right? There's no. But he yeah. says, Give "Glory to God. Do this." Yeah to give glory to God. Um, That's what he does. And so, you know, we have it, you know, to be in this moment in our, you know, Christian world where we have the saving uh, extended arm of the Lord Jesus Christ and sealed with his blood and promise to, to cheapen that um, is a very serious, very serious matter. And, you know, I think it was Machen who says the hardest people to call to conversion are the people who already think they're converted. Well, all of this nonsense about trans Christianity and gay Christianity and West Hill and Greg Johnson and Preston Sprinkle and Mark Mark Yarhouse. You know what? They've made a lot of false converts. They've made a lot of false converts. And I can't remember what Puritan it was who said the saddest man in hell is he who is preaching to all of the souls he converted unto his false religion. Wow. So we have to be careful. We have to be very careful. Yes. And I wasn't, and that's why I'm repenting.
2: Yeah. And <laughs> one of the last points you make in the article is you say using transgender pronouns fails to offer genuine Christian hospitality and instead yields the definition of hospitality to liberal communitarianism identity politics and human flourish and quote human flourishing. Um, we, we covered a little bit of that, but what, what do you mean by, by that, by um, the human flourishing aspect of that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if I can actually back up a little bit, I want to talk about a little bit, what I mean by yielding the moral language to the left, because mm-hmm. that is what all of these false Applications of Christianity: side B, gay Christianity, trans Christianity, blah blah. blah. That's what this is—a false application of the Christian faith. And what they all do is they yield the moral language to the left, as though the Bible doesn't have a moral language. I mean, think about it. The Bible actually has a moral language. It's It's the language that you know. And again, we said it. We said it when we came into this Christian circle. Nobody came to us and said, you know, we're so glad you're here. Please teach our church how to be more gay. Maybe we need a gay bowling league. And can we put you in charge? We would have (laughs) won, dare I say, like hell, (laughs) because (laughs) who wants that? I mean, who wants that? So just the first half, just the idea that somehow you and you yield the moral language to the left by being a postmodernist. Not only in the language you use, gay Christian, trans Christian pronouns, but also in the language that you don't use, being born again, being saved, being changed, being delivered. There's, 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 there's a moral language mm-hmm. you right. don't use. And finally, what you have to do if you are yielding the moral language to the left is refuse to ever ask answer the simplest question. That my seven-year-old grandson could answer about the gospel, refuse to do that, and instead offer more questions with a lot of hubris that is, and you know, encased in false humility. You know, I wasn't in the garden, says Preston Sprinkle. How do I know? You know, whether the fall produced, you know, I know sin. You know, I mean, as though somehow I'm going to believe, you know, Preston Sprinkle over the over
2: Augustine, yeah.
0: So but I would say that, and you guys know this too because Mel, I think you do, but you know, um, you know I learned I, I, I learned how to serve spaghetti dinners for I don't know how many people in my gay community. That's where I learned it. I learned how to do that because it was the 90s. It was New York. We were dealing with a crisis of, of called HIV. People were dying. We didn't know what it was. We were doing a lot of political activism around this. Act Up was there. And I was feeding a lot of people. Um, And that's not actual hospitality. That's liberal communitarianism. That means that I know how to be a do-gooder. But that isn't how we're ever going to know Christ. We are to do good. But we do good not because it will save us, but because Christ has saved us. And it is an expression of our love for Christ and therefore for the person that we are, we are standing and talking to. And so, so um, real Christian hospitality is the kind of hospitality that makes the word of God, the centerpiece, not the spaghetti.
2: (laughs) Wow. Well, you you just said so many golden nuggets. I don't even know what to to think, but um, one thing that you said that, really what just was a light bulb moment for me you said that the language they don't use is the born again language that and you're absolutely right i they don't talk about that they don't talk about being born again being you know renewed um that's so fascinating i never thought of it in those terms
0: yeah md perkins uh, he is the one that really brought Mm. that to my attention and i know we all know and love md perkins and he's um He's a ruling elder in the PCA. He also pointed out something else really important to me. When after after this pronoun article came around, he said, "You know, Rosaria, pronouns are in the public domain, and so it's interesting. The only people who get to tell you how to address them are royalty. You know."
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Really good point, MD. Why didn't <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: I? I yeah. I would have footnoted you, but yeah. He's the one. He said, "Anytime you're, 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 you know, what happened to the the power of being born again in Jesus?"
1: That's right. Yeah. T- t- so That's people who it. aren't familiar with MD Perkins, check out um, "Dangerous Affirmations." Right. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah, very I had helpful. him on the
2: show. We'll we'll link to the yeah. video. Yes, where we, we talked
1: about his book on my show, so we'll link to that video as well down below. Yeah, okay. and, and he called out, uh, you know, even even revoice. Uh, and Nate Collins, who I went to school with, um, because I think there was also a point where Nate used to engage with me a lot and, and, and have, uh, I don't know if I'll call it engage. I mean, he, he, there was a lot of anger and vitriol. I would post something not even related and then he would just respond. And, And I think at some point he said something about PTSD. He uses that language quite a bit. Um, and, and, and I think. Um, often when we hear from people like that, that often use that terminology of PTSD, several things. Didn't um, you PTSD
2: guys... just used to be conviction? Wasn't that the word for it before? Anyway, go ahead.
0: Well, the post-traumatic <laughs> disorder says, you're, tri- you're triggering me. Don't, don't yes. do it. That. Exactly. Yeah. Right,
1: right, right. Well, and, and you guys know, I mean, I served in the Marine Corps. Um, and, and I, I, this is before, this is in 1989 to 1995 before, at least I was familiar with the concept PTSD might've been around then, but I didn't know what that was. And that was during desert storm and desert, all the other desert, whatever things that went, and, and I, and my whole battalion and company, they went and they came back. They were messed up people because of what they saw, even though, you know, we won, I guess, I mean, but they saw. Just and they would tell me pictures, and I was like, I was having nightmares just imagining that I didn't even see it. Um, so it really lessens what really is PTSD, but to okay, the point yeah. you're exactly making, Beckett, um, I equate whenever today people, uh, around this conversation around sexuality and gender bring up PTSD, I just equate that with conviction, you know, mm-hmm. godly right. conviction, um, mm-hmm. that you're feeling. Um, And a sense, uh, you know, it's that's your flesh saying I'm being harmed, uh, getting uh, back to the whole dignity thing Um, that uh, harm and and PTSD is equivalent to uh, conviction and godly conviction, this conviction that should lead us to repentance. Again, all these things that we're talking about this past hour that all tie together. Um, But using this terminology In a way to try to be nice and try to reach out to someone, why don't we just, I mean, if my neighbor is atheist, so why don't I say I'm an atheist Christian? You know, or, you know, my other neighbor along the way is a Hindu. So why don't I say I'm a Hindu Christian? I mean, that's going to be, you know, really welcoming and, you know, that's going to help me to develop this relationship. Why don't I just say I'm a porn watching Christian or, you know, the list Mm -hmm. goes on. Um, and, and that's because it denies what MD says and what Rosario is breaking up is, um, there is no new creation. There is no, the old is gone. The new has come. But Um,
0: but I think, I think what we need to see here is the reason that we don't talk about, you know, porn addicted Christians or thieving Christians or any of that is that none of that is in the language of Boz So your federal government has protected the rights of, um, of, of possibly you know people with a false a false understanding that they're in good standing to believe those things. Mm-hmm. And let me say one other thing about another person that M.D. Perkins called out, me, and I'm glad he did. What, glad what, he did.
2: did he say? What, what What did he say? What What did he say?
0: he called me out on a number of things and, and I I um, I heard him on a podcast and I tried to, you know, get, and I said, well, tell me what's going on. And he said, let's, you know, have a zoom conference. And he was very pastoral. I mean, let me tell you about MD Perkins. He is a, a ruling elder in the PCA. He is a filmmaker, you know, cause you did, he's a very thoughtful person. And he really helped me see where I had, really um you know strayed on a number of issues and i think you know I, I, and so I, although he was not directly behind this he is definitely one of the people that this was one of the things md brought to my attention also so so yeah i mean because that's what brothers in christ do can i just say yeah. that? like yeah. you know I, I mean we don't I, have to, Like, why would we think that everything that comes out of our mouth is 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 somehow uh you know anointed with the oil of the dew of hermon or something you know it's crazy i mean well that's why
2: you know hebrew says exhort one another daily and um i love when uh, dick lucas talks about that that verse he says you know, dear brothers i mean do you see what this verse is saying we can't a christian can't go 24 hours without being corrected isn't that striking um i love i love that because we we do i mean it's like with you guys have helped me so much just a course correct and and and, uh in terms of just bad theology and bad uh understanding of different things and i mean for for heaven's sakes i thought side b was (laughs) the biblical sexual ethic that um When I first, when I first talked to you, Rosaria, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's why we need the body of Christ.
0: That's why we need each other to say, Hey, take offense. You know, I mean, uh, Psalm 141, let a righteous man strike me. It is kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. The only person who wants you to not repent is Satan. Yeah. Yep. So if somebody tells you, oh, you don't need to repent of that, um, oh, hmm, adultery you've committed with that uh, mm, uh, man for 12 years, e- even though, mm, yeah, you don't, have, you're a trauma survivor because you know <laughs> there's a, there's a, there was a, there was a power differential, you know, I mean, let me tell you. You know, you get you 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 know choose your teachers carefully because yeah. the only person who wants you to not repent is Satan. And well,
1: and also, and, and you know, Deuteronomy. You know, the the greatest commandment. We we all know where that comes. You know, Deuteronomy six five. But what many people don't even know is where where the second greatest commandment comes: love your neighbor as yourself. It's Leviticus, right? Sandwich, you know, sandwich by Leviticus eighteen twenty-two and Leviticus twenty-thirteen that touch on that comment that condemn homosexuality. But it, Leviticus nineteen eighteen, where it says, um, you know, nineteen seventeen. I was literally, I was just yes, about to read that verse. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that you know, that you love your neighbors yourself, and what is that verse right before that? Like people need to yeah, know the context. So Leviticus
2: nineteen seventeen says, "You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him."
1: Yeah, and, and, and NIV, which uh, you know each translation has its own issues, but, uh, but I do like where they say uh, the translation of the second half of 1917 is "rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in his guilt." So actually, loving your neighbor is in the context of rebuking your neighbor. Uh, right like we totally like like we can 't like as if that 's loving your neighbor is not rebuking absolutely, not the second greatest commandment that was given by Jesus our Lord, when he said that, first of all, people of the first century they knew their old Testament, not like today, where we not only not know it but we ignore it um but Jesus when he said love your neighbors yourself they would automatically know that it comes from Leviticus and they would know the context of that that of course rebuking your neighbor is loving your neighbor um and loving your neighbor is also rebuking them in love mm-hmm.
2: yeah um and i just read this this one sentence in um uh, in the latter part of your article Rosaria you say maybe you can kind of talk about this a bit You say Christians need to learn how to love their enemies, not not pretend their enemies are their friends. Frenemies. What what do you mean by all?
0: (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. Explain yourself.
0: I'm so thankful that I um, I'm a teacher and I teach you know I teach in a classical Christian uh, co-op and I do the high school lit. What a surprise! And um, (laughs) you know, um, and uh, you know, and I occasionally get to go on a college campus and, and it, there's always protests. Like, you know, it's like I can't go anywhere. I might as well just bring them myself. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but I do I do think that this generation is very sloppy with their categories. By This mm. one, I mean my, my young people, they're very sloppy with their categories. I think it's partly because they've just been weaned in social media with how many friends they have and everybody's a friend and you have to be a friend. And yet if that person isn't Jesus's friend, that person is not my friend. And that's just reality. And I think for me, this came home to me um, when I was sitting at Ken Smith's table, probably like for the hundredth time or something like that. And, you know, we're having a meal I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm like, you know, look at this. I'm the only lesbian here. And, you know, everybody you know, nobody appreciates, you know, all the troubles I've seen. You know, Jane Austen, you know, my sore of throat's hurt more than everybody else's. She actually said that. Um, but that's how, I, you know, that's that's where I was kind of going. And, you know, they don't they don't really care about me. They just care about this Jesus guy. And, you know, And but there I am happily eating their food and, and enjoying my time with them. And, and you know, that we're done with the meal and the, the psalters, you know, some child puts a psalter in front of me and we open it to Psalm 23 and we sing and I'm a singer, I love to sing. And um, we get to that line, you know, and I'm dining in the presence of my enemies. And at first I'm like, wow, huh. You mean Jesus knows that here I am dining in the presence of my enemies? And then all of a sudden it hit me, it hit me that I, the English professor, was reading this all wrong and that I was the enemy. Mm-hmm. That it wasn't that I was in the presence of my enemies. Those people that I thought were my enemies were allowing me, the enemy, to come to the table. And they were feeding me, and they were praying over me. And mm-hmm. They were loving me. And, and even worse than that, I realized that I was Christ's enemy. And I would love to say at that moment, I dropped to my knees and, you know, committed my life to Jesus. But anyway, sinner's prayer. At least a year longer than that, you know, and <laughs> tried to make this work. But there was like this little crack of light in a very dark world. And it was the moment that I realized I was an enemy. And that is the offense of the gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ used for my good and my salvation and his glory. Why do we want to deny people that?
1: Amen. 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 And and when you were, so when you asked that question uh, Beckett, um, and and Rosario was answering and telling the, that one, that wonderful story about her past. Um, I was turning right to Romans five ten, and mm-hmm. and and what Ro- Rosario is saying is is basically you know that I, I think Paul had that Psalm in mind, you know. And uh, can you and, read that verse? Please? Uh, I mean, and the whole thing, I mean, you know, Romans five six that while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Romans five eight, where it says, but God shows His love for us in this that while. We- while we were still sinners, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, I mean, mean, it's amazing. I mean, this is, this right. is love, you know, the world know. doesn't even know what love is, but he loves us while we, and I could say that's three of us, right? Mm-hmm. You Beckett, you Rosaria, me, while we were still sinners, not like when I was, you know, get, you know, brushing off myself and like, you know, I'm getting better now and God's starting to love me. And then Romans right. 5, 10 for while we were enemies. Right. Yeah. I mean, so exactly what Rosaria's is talking about that, um, It's not. Oh, they are our enemies. No, this is like all of humanity in our sin, post fall, we are all enemies of God. Paul says that we we were you know children of we were children of wrath, and that's that's what that is. So if you're not for God, you're you know you are an enemy.
0: And we're called to love our enemies, which is a lot harder than pretending that they are our friends.
1: Yeah. I mean, and and the world will say us Christians, you know, me, you Beckett, we have such a narrow understanding of love and that is so untrue. I mean, they almost just, uh, you know, what did we say Rosario in, in, you know, a few days after Berger fell that marriage does not have a monopoly on love. Like that's, that's the understanding of love to the world. That's a pinnacle of love is marriage. Christians were called to love everyone even our enemies that's 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 unheard of what what religion does that what atheist does that is supposed Um, to be a
0: reflection of christ in the church not a replacement of of uh, for something else but yeah no no absolutely absolutely
2: yeah and i talk about this in my book uh when i when i was at the this you know i was invited to this dinner party (laughs) I was invited to this dinner party in Malibu. This was, you know, I guess I was, I don't know. I'd been saved four years or three years or something. I can't remember. But, and, um, you know, the the owner of the house was a gay man. Very, very, very sex- successful gay man. And and he had, there were some gay people at the table. There were some, you know, heterosexual people at the table. And, and then the, you know, I, we, I get to the house and we, we start having dinner. <laughs> I talk about, um, before I could even, you know, have a bite of my fennel, shea fennel salad, the host is, uh, you know, asked me, Oh, Becca, tell everyone here. And the host is, you know, he's gay. He's not Christian. he's just as cu- kind of curious about my story. He's like, Oh, I can tell everyone here about your, your story. And I'm just like, I wasn't prepared i didn't even know that he was going to do that i wasn't prepared for that so i choked on my salad and then i told them you know my story and um and as soon as i got to the part about homosexual behavior being a sin they it started to get a little wild and and i said guys and this was just this was like from the holy spirit because in that moment i didn't know what to do i mean it was getting really out of control and i said guys let me just say that, oh, I was in seminary at the time. So this was in like 2015 or something. But I said, guys, I have midterms tomorrow. I, I'm in seminary. Like I have midterms tomorrow. The only reason I drove an hour out to Malibu tonight, there's no other reason I came here, but because I love you. That's the. Uh, there's no other reason. That's it. And as soon as I said that, it's just like, everyone's just like, oh, wow. Okay. And everything calmed down for the rest of the night. But um, yeah, it's like, what? I mean, what other motivation do we have other than wanting people to be in the kingdom of God? That's Amen. the only motivation we Amen. have.
1: And and honestly, I mean, knowing Rosaria for, you know, I wish I knew you longer, uh, but I think 2014 or whenever your first book came out, I reached out. and. But knowing Rosaria for this whole time and, um, and we're all family I mean the three of us and Rosario you call my mom and dad mom and dad and you know your kids call me uncle Christopher but knowing you Rosario you wrote this article that we're talking about out of love yes yeah. you know I mean why do we call people to repentance cuz we're oh. mean people you know that that's what most people accuse us of that we're just mean I- or you being know, like, are, like the doctrine
2: police or like, you know, those kinds of things.
1: Yeah. yeah quib- quibbling over words. That's, that's, that's <clears> what, <throat> oh, it, it, I, I if I, we were quibbling over words, I, I wouldn't be wasting my breath over this. This is right. calling people to true repentance, right. not yeah, this no. partial or false repentance, but it's yeah. out of love. We love these people. And, and I love that story. You know, like it's, it's out of love. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I also think that out of out of love, you know, there there are sort of two things that we need to do. And again, I mean, before the three of us were in a Christian world where we wrote books and talked, to, wrote, ran podcasts and things. I mean, I I was as I was praying for the three of us this morning, I was marveling that at the very same moment in history, um, we were uh, leaders in uh, in gay culture in. In all of the major arteries, right? I mean, Beckett, there you were in Hollywood as um, as a filmmaker and producer and artist, and Christopher, you were in the bars, and that was a big deal for anybody who doesn't know that. Um, uh, you know, even though I don't know if really- I
1: would call that so much a leader, but uh, in a well, very that, distorted and twisted way.
0: Well, that's true, but that's where we all met to to turn these ideas into bills that were turned into laws, and um, and I was in the Academy and. And so, um, you know, I do feel a certain responsibility, not only to, um, to share the gospel with my neighbors and my loved ones, but, you know, there's, there is a responsibility to correct the wrongs of this world. And I don't want to overplay it, but I, I look all over this world and I see my fingerprints all over it. And, um, You know, I spent a couple of days at the legislature last week testifying, basically, let's not castrate our 14 year olds, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And, and, you know, and the last time I had done something like that, I was a gay rights activist. I was on the other side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we all know exactly what that's about. But, you know, I was I was um, I was really struck the other day. I was reading in Ezekiel and how, you know, how important it is um not only to say what is right and true and loving and good but also how important it is to call out the problems and to repair the walls right to repair the broken walls of the church hmm. and i was really intrigued the line it's in uh, ezekiel 14 i'm sorry ezekiel 135 um and it's where False prophets are condemned, right? So um, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophecy against the prophets of Israel who are uh, prophesying and say to those who prophecy from their own hearts, hear the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own hearts and spirits and have seen nothing. Your prophets have been like jackals among ruins, O Israel. You have not gone up into the breaches or built up a wall for the house of Israel that it might stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. We are in an absolute battle. And my two days at the courthouse made it very, very clear. And what Calvin says about this, because it's interesting, you know, Ezekiel calls these false prophets who are false prophets. They follow their own heart and they don't repair the breaches. Mm hmm. They don't repair the breaches. And what what Calvin says is their teaching must be altogether rejected because they do not have the right goal in mind. They are imposter prophets who saw no hope in repentance. That's Calvin on Ezekiel. And you know what? I read that verse and I thought, wow, we have a lot of false prophets out there. Let's, Let's not be one of them let's not be one of them let's repair the wall
1: amen yeah
0: and if we don't think there's a battle out there just spend a few days at the county legislature when there's a pro-life bill and a bill to protect minors from transgender surgery and you know you will be spit on you will be you will be cursed uh, you 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 will really know what the world thinks of Christ
2: yeah I mean I think one of the one of the reasons, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, one of the reasons that we are so um, passionate about this is, you know, especially Christopher and I, it, I mean, we lived in such, and, and it was different for you, Rosaria, because you were a political activist, which lesbians are different from gays, but but we lived <laughs> in such a dark World and it lesbianism is so, pretty dark
0: too, guys.
2: Yeah, it was. It's, it was dark. That's dark too. In, in a different but,
1: but way. But are I mean, it was it was very respectable.
0: Oh, and, but and that's it was, the problem.
1: And, Don't and you and see it? Was,
0: it? Don't yeah. you see it? That's that's exactly the problem. My job was to make lesbianism look wholesome, and I did a fantastic job, and that's the problem, because yeah. we failed to when something looks wholesome. We can't. We can't seem to manage. We can't seem to get our sea legs. Well, what's the sin of lesbianism if it makes Rosaria happy? And look at how you know what a nice home they have. And how productive you know,
2: she is, and how you know active, she successful. And
0: but you know we need to be able to say homosexuality is a is a rebellion against the creation ordinance. Transgenderism is the sin of en- envy and a rebellion against the tenth commandment. People die over these things. I don't care what it looks like in the veneer of this world. It's rebellion against the heart of the gospel. The creation ordinance is where the seeds of the gospel are rooted. Mm-hmm. It's serious. So thank you. I was definitely a little more. I might've been a little more cleaned up because women always are, but it was just <laughs> as dark and just as simple. And I was going to hell just as fast as you guys were.
2: That's one of the reasons I don't know if I ever told you this, Rosario, but I would bristle when you would talk about in your books or and talk about um, how, you know, the community in the gay world was so, so much better than the Christian community. I'm like, yeah, but what was that community? What held that community together? It was like debauchery in the in the gay world and the guys world. Um, It was just like drugs, alcohol, sex, like anonymous. I mean, that was what held us together. So what? Yeah, what what kind of community do you want? So, um, yeah.
0: good question.
2: <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beckett Cook Show. Your support makes this content possible. All episodes of the Beckett Cook Show are also available on YouTube. For more information about Beckett and his ministry, visit his website at beckettcook.com. Thank you to the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find more faith-centered podcasts about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more.